So my business is my fitness in my runs From a chicken to a cup Every tiger stripe is sitting where it was Sweating nothing but the job You don't know what's coming up Doing donuts from the jump So my atlas must to shrug like Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Longtime host for first-time listeners. Would someone like to do the intro? Unfiltered tiger sweat. What he said. Good shit, guys. Good shit. So, intro music from me. Obviously, I felt like you know I get I gave you some bars about the podcast. Well, you're a rapper. Boo! Get him off the fucking stage. Fuck you, Basel. <laughs> but I'm not a rapper. <laughs> I got an EP coming out in August, so the next episode is probably <laughs> going to be a little delayed too. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get into the topics for today. We're talking about Logic's new album, J Cole's new singles. Kanye's BS and August Alsina's Entanglement with Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay, so Logic, no pressure. His quote-unquote last album so that he can go and spend time raising his kid in Montana. Smart business move, I guess, you know. I, I feel that land in Montana is pretty cheap. It's pretty uh, lonely living out there. So if you made a couple million dollars, that that shit could make you feel like an oil tycoon. So Fossil Jay, have you heard No Pressure? What did you think about it? Um, I heard only one song. It was uh, perfect, I believe it was called. So it was my perfect. favorite and least favorite song simultaneously. <laughs> so what you're saying is that song was not perfect. While also being perfect. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's a bar right there. <laughs> so, Fazel, have you heard every song on this album, or did you just, like, skip some? I completely heard most of the songs on this album, and then even the ones I didn't completely hear, you know, I went a couple seconds at a time, ten seconds through. So that was, like, what I meant by skimming so yeah, I'd say I've heard probably 80% of the music on that album. I don't know, man. I'm not really accustomed to Logic. I don't listen to him much anyway. My first real exposure to him was probably like, what, freshman year of college when he was getting big with Rick and Morty and all that. Well, he's already been big, but like mainstream, a lot of people paid attention to him because of that for whatever reason. Really cemented the whole 200 IQ, Bobby bestseller, all that crap to me. And I was like, okay, let me listen to this dude. And it was just catchy shit, right? Because great production value and whatnot. So listening to this album, first time I've probably listened to Logic in years, <laughs> I was taken aback because, you know, every other moment it seems like he's referencing somebody or other. So, yeah, that was it was interesting. You know, Logic does that a lot, and that's a big reason why I haven't fucked with them as much as I did in high school. I remember being introduced to him back when, like, I was a junior, back when he was doing the young sinatra mixtapes up till three and those were dope i genuinely dug those but then again i wasn't too into hip-hop at that point i basically my only exposure into like hip-hop at that point was lil wayne and eminem so that tells you exactly where i was in terms of like my <laughs> diet of hip-hop and then i just kind of forgot about logic a little bit because at the time he was underground my friends and i were like yeah he'll always stay underground we never thought he would like break into the mainstream 
And then, like you said, freshman year of college, he starts to, like, get some, like, commercial recognition. He, he, he gets signed to Def Jam and all of this stuff. And I started listening to his music, and Under Pressure was, like, really good. That's, I think, the last album that I heard from him that I was really, like, wowed by. Tits, or The Incredible True Story, which I'm just going to call Tits from now on, because Tits is a more titillating title. <laughs> um, was okay, but, like, I don't really fuck with it like that. It was not appealing to me, and it was not as great a work of creative inspiration as I think a lot of his fans would say. And yeah, you can call me a hater for that, but I just say it how I seize it, right? So Under Pressure, my favorite song was gang-related, and in that song, he's talking about his own life as a young kid in, I think, Baltimore, Maryland is where he grew up. Yeah, near D.C., I think. Yeah, he's talking about it cleverly through the lens of his older brother who was on the streets and from like his mom's perspective who is obviously like you know didn't want him to you know follow the same path right there's something very resonant there which i dug but and i can say this as a musician when you're coming up and you're waiting for that one moment to break out you have one album's worth of material that is really good okay and after that point after you drop that one album what you do after that shows me how good of an artist you are. Because now it's about reinventing. And unfortunately, Logic has not shown me that. Okay, it's been like pretty milk toast music. With like good production and like meh writing. I hate to say this, but he almost has been a gimmick for the last four or five years. Like the rapping fast shtick alongside Eminem. That song was okay when it came out, but now I don't listen to it at all because it's a Logic and Eminem song. The fuck, <laughs> the the fuck do do I want for myself? I don't I don't drink fucking Mountain Dew and fucking <laughs> eat Doritos and shit. <laughs> also, I'm not a 200 IQ Rick and Morty fan, so you know <laughs> things are different for me. We are not the same. But I always felt like the fandom of Logic was definitely a dope group of people but i feel like they gave him too much credit because in terms of bars in terms of writing i don't think he's that good i'm gonna keep it 100 fossil just touched on it 90 percent of his like really good bars relative to the rest of his music are like references to like popular culture that can only take you so far like eminem's doing that now and it's like played out and corny it feels like when M does it, he's like literally just plugging in names so that he can get like a dope rhyme scheme out. But Logic doesn't even do that. Logic is kind of just, it's kind of like a freestyle, you know? He's like still freestyling the same way that he would have done like five years ago. And get your bag, Bobby, but like, it's not genius, okay? You're, Kanye is a production genius. He's not a lyricist, but in terms of production, he's fucking great. Fucking MF Doom lyrical genius okay like there's nobody near that level killer mike just on another level logic not even fucking close to any of those rappers i'm sorry um and speaking of gimmicks i feel like this whole retirement thing is a gimmick too right like jay who else is who who said that they're gonna retire recently (laughs) Nicki minaj (laughs) (laughs) well now she's pregnant so congratulations Nicki minjaj (laughs) <laughs> yeah Nikki and Hassan wish you the best <laughs> we, we got Jay-Z I forget which album he did it after but he said he was going to retire and then came back like two or three years later 
and then drop some blueprints and some 444s. That's a guy who's reinvented himself multiple times. I guess in the pop sphere, maybe this is uh, relevant because of the age group of fans that we're talking about, but Justin Bieber taking a break from music for like four or five years and then coming back to make Yummy Yum. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> go go listen to the last uh, episode if you haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want to hear a longer riff on uh, Justin Bieber and his trash-ass music. Um, yeah, well, you guys listen to that, but I don't want to relive that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those reading those lyrics were, was a traumatic experience for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but even Cole is talking about retirement now, by the way. He's, like, hinting at it after this next album. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, after the fall-off comes out. What we do know is, especially in rap, retirement has usually been a gimmick. Okay, it's been a way to get your fans to care about things. It's been a way to get your ticket sales up for your shows, to get your streaming numbers up, to get some mainstream media attention, and then inevitably come back in a couple years when you're feeling a little more inspired and sell even more, hopefully. And right now, it seems really smart, right? Because, like, on the business side of the music industry, we got COVID, which is 80%, like, 75 to 80% of the amount of money that you get is from touring. It's from, like, the, your shows. Because the way artists negotiate it is they own the majority of the profits that they get from touring. The label does not get them, right? The only people that they really split it with are promoters and the people that they have coming with them from place to place. And, of course, all the equipment and all that stuff, the engineers, yada, yada, yada. However, with COVID, there's no touring. There's absolutely none. So it's really hard to be an artist and make money right now. Because you're not making money on streaming. You're making like a hundredth of a cent per stream. That's fucking nothing. Yeah. Okay? Like, you get a couple thousand dollars if you're like as big as Logic is. You know, and you get like 11 million streams. You get a couple thousand dollars for a song. That's nothing for a guy like Logic. Okay? It's Mm -hmm. nothing for him. As much as we can hate, the guy makes money. So I feel like this retirement thing is really good because Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, even though it, it debuted high on the Billboard Hot 100, was a garbage album. I fucking hated it. It's the worst thing Logic has ever fucking put out. Fossil, it's it's like this album where like you heard 10 seconds of it. Every single song is like 10 seconds, nope. 10 seconds, nope. 10 seconds, nope. 10 seconds, nope. <laughs> He's oversaturated his music. He's dropped six albums in the last, what, four years? And I think maybe two of those were, like, good. One of those was decent. And then this one, which we'll talk about as well. So he needed a break. And I feel like this is a good reason, this is a good time for him to take a break. Now his fans are paying attention. Now it has some emotional significance to them. And when he when COVID does end, he can reasonably do like a small tour and like maybe sell the tickets. But if he's not even going to do that, when he comes back, his fans will be like almost in their 30s. They'll be in like their late 20s by that point or like their mid 20s for the younger ones. The nostalgia will hit them super heavy. And that's yeah. just a drug. His retirement is not real. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I never believed it. Another gimmick from a gimmick rapper. I'm sorry, man. I know this sounds like I'm hating on Logic. I'm just keeping it 100% real. 
I would never say shit like this about a tribe called Quest. I'd never say some shit like this about Doom, about Pusha T. Never, because those are real motherfuckers who do real motherfucker shit. There's just there's different levels to it. Logic is good. He's not great. I'm sorry. So without further ado, let's go into the album. My favorite tracks: No Pressure, Open Mic, Aquarius Three, Soul Food Two, Dad Bod, Dark Place, Heard Him Say. Puzzles, are we pretty much the same on those? Yeah, pretty much. As far as the ones that I listen to again, like probably even maybe consider putting in my rotation if I ever had a consistent rotation for rap songs. Heard him say ATZ, Aquarius, and Soul Food. Those ones are probably like the ones that stand out the most to me. So, in the intro, too, right? No pressure. Yeah, yeah the intro. Yeah, I feel that. Dad Bod and Dark Place were almost not on there, but they, I just kind of like the vibe that they give off. My good tracks, I kind of agree with Jay. Perfect was kind of like in the middle there. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. It was kind of good. Man I Is, A to Z, Amen. Amen was really close to like just okay. But I'm glad he didn't extend the hook out too much because then it would have been fucking garbage. Okay tracks, and when I say okay, it's mostly just like tracks that I definitely will not remember. There's no excuse for me to remember these tracks. Five hooks and obediently yours. In a month, I'm not going to remember these songs. In a month, I'm not going to remember most of these songs, but <laughs> I'll remember one or two from the ones that I really liked. And then the tracks that I've just hated, Celebration and Hit My Line. Never want to hear those again. Never want to <laughs> hear anybody play them in a car. Never want them to be on any playlist. Nothing. Okay? Otherwise, you might actually call 1-800-273, whatever the number is. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to die. <laughs> I'm biracial. <laughs> And the worst part about those two songs is, like, they're in the first four songs of this album. And so the first time I listened to this album, I was like, okay, this is garbage. The production is good, but this is garbage. Like, why are... And this is a, a dip into the bath. This is going to be, like, radioactive toxic waste, okay? And then I made it past that to GP4. I, I was telling y'all in the Twitter DMs, like... I just stopped listening to it after 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 GP4 because I was like, okay, this is not good enough for me to like deal with the trash tracks. And then I tweeted about it, and one of my friends was like, I don't know. I still don't necessarily agree with you, Connor, but like this album is good. It definitely has very good moments on it. But to tell me to read the lyrics and that he has some bars, I'm sorry. I don't remember a single bar that, that he said. Like I remember topics, but he never had one punchline that I was like, Oh, that's so clever, right? Not once. Not once. And Logic is not that clever. He just isn't. The other thing I'd like to say, and maybe we can get everyone's opinion on this. I feel like if you have to read the lyrics while you're listening to the track, it automatically makes the rap song less impactful. Yeah, it's like someone having to tell you the meaning of a paint. I mean, that that's not a great analogy, but, you know, it's like it's always more impactful when you can figure it out yourself. You know, if you have to look it up, then it's like, oh, the surprise has been ruined. And like, mm. you know, you'll never be able to experience it in like a deeper way, I guess. Right. If you're going to be a lyrical rapper, ideally, you'd want to have your lyrics to be at least a little bit accessible, you know, to the point where you don't need to frantically go up and rap genius and be like, yo, what did he mean when he said 
uh, so-and-so, unless it's a corny ass line, like, you know, I'm like Leo and the Revenant bear with me. <laughs> and the shit like that makes me not want to listen, but you know, um, no logic. I will not bear with you. I will not bear witness. <laughs> yeah. I will not bear anything that you're about to give me. <laughs> you know, there, obviously there are several types of rappers. Some of them, you don't necessarily need to listen to their lyrics that hard. You don't need to read into them that much. Sometimes, you know, you just, their voice is there for the most part, just because it makes you feel something. And it's kind of like a raw thing. But Logic's not that sort of rapper. He doesn't market himself like that. No. He doesn't, he creates stuff. He tries to like actually make a point. Um, but he's just, I don't know. I get the vibe that he thinks he's smarter than he really is. So, a thousand percent. Yeah, he's he's not yeah. a clever enough writer. I was mentioning earlier that a lot of these songs sound like freestyles, and I only say that because like a lot of these flows are flows I would only hit in freestyles because they're so like I've heard so many rappers hit these flows, and this is this is a thing. Like as a hip hop head, like I'll give you an example: Godzilla by Eminem off that last album. A lot of people are like, oh my god, he's rapping so fast. And I'm just sitting here like, the Juice World Chorus, the hook, is fucking fantastic. I loved it. Just instantly gives you the vibe. Once he starts spitting fast, I don't know what the fuck he's saying, okay? And because I don't know what the fuck he's saying... It doesn't mean anything to you. It, it literally doesn't... It, it, first off, even if I read the lyrics, like, it's basically him just, like, saying, don't fucking doubt me, all this shit. Like, like basically brag rapping. And that's fine. But Eminem is, like, on decade two of his fucking career now. He's, like, basically 40 or 50. It's, like, there isn't much that he can talk about anymore in an album that's, like, unique. Don't get me wrong. I like that album. That album has three or four songs on it that I do go back to. And for an Eminem album in 2020, that's pretty fucking good. But... The reason I bring it up is, it's the same thing, right? The only time where the lyrics, where reading the lyrics have accentuated things, and this is kind of the way that I go through lyrics and everything, is like to pimp a butterfly. When something is that deep, and like you need to know what the guy is saying, or like there's a bar, and you kind of can't make it out, so like you look it up, it's always after you listen to the song. I don't fuck with reading the lyrics while you're listening to the song, because why are you listening to the song then? And yeah. This goes back to the gimmick mm -hmm. conversation. It's like if you're just rapping fast and you consider that skill, then what you're rapping about really doesn't matter as much, right? The what you're actually writing doesn't matter as much because you can get away with saying anything within those shorter syllables. And then with logic, the other gimmick has been, and this is another reason why I don't why I didn't fuck with him for a very long time. Is that peace, love, and positivity shit. I'm sorry. That's fake as fuck. Okay? It's fake as shit. I get the idea like not wanting to be a bad influence on all that shit. But we're human beings. The best influence will be able to take responsibility for their own emotions. And I feel by, by neutering all of the venom and like all of the reality. And I say reality because joy is a very like small part of human life. Every other emotion surrounds joy. So, like, if you're just trying to keep it positive, your music is going to be shit when it comes to the meaning and the emotional resonance of it. Yeah, that's true. I think it's, like, it's not real, and I think people see through that pretty quickly. 
that's not to say that positive rappers don't exist, though. I think, one, to me, one of the biggest examples and one of Logic's very prominent influences on this album, and I'm sure a lot of other albums, is A Tribe Called Quest. Like, if you listen to their stuff, especially their most well-known stuff, their first three albums, uh, The Low End Theory, A Tribe Called Quest, and the uh, whatever the first one was called, The Instinctive Rhythms and something. Yeah. You know, they, they have a lot of really positive lyrics and their tone is pretty lighthearted, especially compared to a lot of other rappers out there. Yeah. That's not to say that it's 100% oh, carefree and positive. Like, they keep it real and, you know, at the specific moments, they will, you know, inject a little bit of uh, flair into their music, a little bit of, like, bite. The further on you go, uh, especially Midnight Marauders is probably... Yeah. their very best album that's when they really like they really do make an effort of like trying to hit you so they're, they're, it's like it's complicated you know you gotta yeah. sort of strike a balance and logic really doesn't yeah i mean he sort of dismisses everything and pretends like he's immune to this stuff and i'm like i mean that's obviously not true like nobody is immune to the ups and downs of life so it's like nobody is pretending for a second that they believe you're pretending that makes sense <laughs> yeah i'm sure the devil's advocate argument from a logic fan would be oh he just doesn't want his fans to be subject to that like he doesn't want to put that energy out in the world which is fine <laughs> but like you're a human being like you're neutering your own music you know what i mean just like what you're saying fossil like I like a lot of the things that a tribe called Quest have done. I feel like over the eras, they have consistently changed their style and like found found a way to fit timely topics into their music and into their style. For example, their last album. They're talking about yeah. lot. They're talking about ego. They talk about Trump. They talk about racial relations. They talk about oppression. They talk about drug abuse and how like kids currently feel in general it's one of the most relatable pieces of work that i've heard from an older group and that's after fife had died yeah and it's crazy that like these guys that are in their 40s can have like a kendrick verse an andre verse fucking they they have verses from some of the biggest and best rappers out there and there are no features listed on the album that is serious <laughs> big dick energy right there to have a Kendrick feature and not put it in there is fucking right. crazy. <laughs> Especially because they're so jazz rap and this was like after To Pip a Butterfly. Because that shit would have done numbers. That shit would have gone to hundreds of millions. But they didn't mm -hmm. do that. And I respect the fuck out of that. You know, sometimes taking the hard road can lead to better music. And that's why I feel like the gimmicks in Logic's career water down the impact of an already kind of bland output so if you're a logic fan listening to this i guess fossil and i definitely recommend that you listen to a tribe called quest he gave you some albums and i gave you the last album <sighs> who else aesop rock listen to aesop aesop rock for sure um earl sweatshirt listen to fucking earl sweatshirt man earl sweatshirt is hella underrated and there ain't no one like him. That's the crazy thing. Nobody raps like Earl Sweatshirt. And he's just getting better and better. Like, ever since the Odd Future Days, in my opinion, he's gotten better and better. So, 
you know, just try to vibe with it. You know, chill out. Not everything has to be like just like the commercial hip hop that you hear. You know, hip hop is a big, wide tent that we have tons of different people in that feel very different things that come from very different places. And to neuter it to this like very thin slice of reality to where Eminem, Logic, the, the two most uh, lyrically uh, intense rappers <laughs> in the game. It's like, that is not real hip-hop. I'm sorry, YouTube rappers, that is not real hip-hop. Rap God is not one of the best Eminem songs. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a meme. It's seriously, it's a meme. If you listen to Rap God regularly, I really question your mental health. And that's like me being a hundred percent real with you, because I don't. It sounds like my. It sounds like a parent yelling at you, dude. It's like, and I'm brown, man. I hear that shit all the time. Like, I don't need to bring back trauma. Like you, y'all know this. I don't need to bring back trauma from my childhood. What the fuck is this? Who do I look like? <laughs> Anyways, logic, no pressure. The production was fucking fantastic. The raps were okay. Um, there are only two songs that I hated, but in general, I, as not being a real logic fan, I'm gonna forget most of this in like two months. Just keeping it real. Yeah. Pretty much sums up logic, at least for me, and seems like for the rest of us. Yep. Lupe dropped a, a new EP. I'm not even going to review it because I love Lupe. I'm never going to tell you that Lupe's shit is garbage because he's never going to release something where it's like completely underproduced or like the lyrics aren't good. So go listen to that. It's five songs. It flows really well. It's very, you know, it's very chill, very vibey. Go listen to that. It's less intense than all his all of his albums. It's not really a concept piece. It's just him kind of with that stream of consciousness. So now we're moving to uh, the new Cole singles. I think both of y'all have heard these, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's two of them. There's the Climb Back and there's the Lion King on Ice. I did not fuck with the Lion King on Ice. I'm going to keep it real. I thought the beat was garbage. I basically wasn't even listening to the lyrics. Because if the beat is bad, the rest of the song doesn't really matter. Yeah, it was a it was an all right beat. I I don't think I hated it, um, but yeah, I definitely thought the the production on um, the the climb back was was better, and I think the meaning of that song was also like better too. Yeah, I mean I'm, um, I'm gonna keep it real. Cole can rap his ass off, but there's a difference between punchlines and real shit. So like he's spitting some real shit on there. But I don't judge the song based on the verse. I judge the song based on the beat. Because he produced that beat himself. And that beat is hard. That beat is fucking hard. I know Jay kind of like doesn't like like the whininess of the vocals. It was a little off-putting. But I, overall, I can I get how it's so grating. Because now I've I've like I engineered my own song to it. And I recorded it. So like, they're stuck in my head. So I kind of feel where you're at. But when I heard it like three or four times, I still really, really liked it. Yeah, I got to listen to it a little bit more. But it's still a good song. I get why he did it, though. It gives a lot of room in the mix for his voice to yeah. hit the pocket. Like, if you no, look at the exactly. instrumental, there's, like, huge 808, very little in the mid, other than just, like, samples and guitars and, like, low piano motifs. And then you have the vocals. And everything else is, like, for his voice to just sit in. It's a very minimalist yeah. beat. Fossil, you heard these, right? I really don't have a huge opinion 
on J. Cole because uh, I'm going to be real with you guys. I definitely a couple years ago bought into that whole, oh, J. Cole is so pretentious or whatever bullshit meme, which I don't think that's accurate anymore, but it's just like all the same. You know, it never really gave me a that good of a ground to work with, like just standing when I started uh, trying to listen to J. Cole every so often. So uh, I, I heard... I heard these two songs though and uh I-, I liked them i liked them but more so yeah definitely the road back or the climb that back. one was better the climb back yeah, yeah. shit see <laughs> i get where the j cole hate comes from as someone who really likes 2014 forest hills drive will listen to a lot of songs from for your eyes only really i don't listen to kod that much but if i did have to i would listen to friends because he's talking about some real shit on there the reason why i'm okay with like the, the cole slander in this case, is because I feel like his fans gas him up way too much. Sorry, J. Cole is not one of the top two rappers yeah, alive. That, that <laughs> is for sure. I've, and, I've heard people call him the greatest ever. And and like, you uh, don't listen to enough hip-hop if you think that he's one of the top two greatest lyricists alive. Okay? I could name five lyricists better than him. Probably ten if you gave me enough time. But five? Most Def, Black Dot, MF Doom, fucking... Inspector Deck, or pretty much anyone from Wu-Tang, Kendrick Lamar. Hell, I'd even say Joey Badass can, like, on a, on a good day, can, like, eat a beat alive next to Cole. Oh, yeah, and Earl. Yuck. Yuck. I'm sorry. Stop telling me that Cole is the greatest rapper alive. He's not. He's not. <laughs> when Cole says it, I cringe. Those are, like, the most cringeworthy parts those are the only times that i actually super cringe at his songs i think other than that i kind of just passively absorb it but i feel like he is pretty humble dude and that's what i respect about him i feel like other than like those couple moments where his ego kind of peeks out or like he jumps out the window he's not doing anything too crazy he's kind of just being relatable and like i feel like he's doing the logic thing where he's trying to be a good role model even though he has a song called no role models Hmm. And I don't think he, yeah. he like, creates a myth out of who he is as a person, which I respect. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not a sure. branding yeah. thing for him as much as it is, mm-hmm. like, he just wants to make music. Which is why I would say he's more like what an underground rapper was in the mid-2000s. But because of the internet, he kind of popped off and went mainstream, got signed to Rock Nation and all that stuff. And me and a lot of people would say this, but if I had to sign, like, if I had to sign... I would sign to Dreamville. Because I at least trust that what's going on there is they're not going to fuck me over. You know what I mean? Like, they give yeah, a shit about exactly. the artists. They're all about collaboration. They're all about the art. At the end of the day, that's it. I wouldn't sign to UMG. I wouldn't sign to Quality Control. I definitely would sign to Death Row, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're owned by Hasbro? <laughs> Hasbro. <laughs> 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 what? Yeah, what? they're on my ass, bro. <laughs> bro, Tonka trucks with the fucking Death Row records. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's the biggest meme. <laughs> the fucking alphabet blocks, but instead. <laughs> death Row. It has like the Death Row record on the bottom. <laughs> so, like, when the kids are playing, it's like, Mama, what is. Death Row. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what the logo is, but the logo also probably doesn't help. I'm gonna the look small it up. coloring book. 
<laughs> when I Google death row, the Google like uh, you know suggestion is like capital punishment. <laughs> <laughs> you have to specify hey. death row records, otherwise it just puts up a bunch of. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, capital uh, is okay. punishment their, though. Their logo is someone on an electric chair. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! I don't. I don't even know. Suge Knight. Bro, have you seen Suge Knight joking about how he's stuck a yeah yeah AIDS needle? <laughs> Fuck, oh dude. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. There's peace, love, and positivity on one side, which is just like fucking garbage and then there's that which is just like garbage on the complete other end of the spectrum it's like ideally you should be somewhere in the middle kind of like coal yeah that's my thing i can't i can't really hate on cole which is why the whole like no name thing between him i know that no name beat him in terms of song versus song her song was better okay but in terms of like what people took offense to and what j cole said reading the lyrics because the lyrics were the main thing in the video that he released and he only really released it on youtube he was being straight up he was like he was admitting to a lot of shit he was like listen now like i felt a type of way about what she said on twitter but like maybe it's because i'm not educated maybe it's because you know i know that i'm not doing enough and i'm insecure about it and maybe i need to resolve to do x y and z like that's a real that's a fucking real thing to say i'm sorry okay and I think a lot of people have said this, and I think Dave Chappelle says it in uh, The Bird Revelation. Woke folk. I get that, like, we need to uphold people to another standard, and we need to, like, constantly raise the bar for public figures. But we're going to need a lot of imperfect allies. Not everybody is going to reach our standard of, like, wokeness. Just because somebody's performative doesn't mean that their intelligence or, like, their socially conscious message is performative wokeness, okay? That's just the way that they yeah. see things. Not everybody thinks about things enough to read a fucking theorem, okay? No, not everybody understands who the Kombahi River Collective is, okay? And should they? Yes, J. Cole should know who those people are. But if he doesn't, the way to reach him and his fans is not to, like, get angry at them. That was the reason why I was mad, because I know a lot of these people, they're, they're, they're not well read, okay? The way that you reach out to them is by relating to them, right? Because that's how Cole gets their fandom, by saying something relatable, something that they don't really have the energy to think about themselves. And I feel like we need to do a better job of appealing to people who don't already agree with us especially when it comes to a socially conscious or like politically conscious message that's my whole thing on the on the j cole shit yeah that's a good point about perf like being performative because i think like it obviously the whole thing about being performative like that issue getting raised was like a good thing um because there are definitely people who don't you know practice or don't not even practice but really don't believe in like what they claim to um but i think a lot of stuff gets like dismissed as performative because yeah i mean it, it is like you know reposting an instagram story sure that that's like performative but i mean it depends on like i mean if you're coming from a good place then i mean you really can't fault the person for for doing it it's like you like you said you can't expect them to be i don't know what the word is i, you I don't, don't want to like everybody to be marching in the streets 
You just can't. Exactly. You because know? it's not it's not a reality for a lot of people. Yeah. Like they can't. But I mean, people can show their support and their their solidarity in different ways. And it's as long as they're educating themselves and as as long as they believe in what they say and don't contradict themselves, then I think that itself is probably a victory for the time being, because at least you're not having to win their minds over or prevent them from completely, you know, going the other way. So that's my take on it. I completely get the fact that like rap can be very misogynistic. I think, especially in mainstream commercial rap and hip hop in general, like just look at Drake. Drake is the biggest guy out there and he's a, he's a misogynist to his fucking core. I can't listen to the dude's music. And a big reason why I can't listen to it is because he'll say some shit about, like, the women that he's been with. And it's, like, the most sexist thing I've ever heard a fucking rapper say. And I've heard ra- I've heard rappers call, like, people bitches, hoes, and prostitutes. And, like, it's more offensive to be, like, fuck you in, like, some, like, emotional way. Like, oh, you only used me for my money. It's, like, you only used her because she she's attractive and has a pussy, dude. Like seriously like drake do you want to get into like who's using who here because it's all exploitation i'm sorry in america everything's exploitation especially if you're like a big commercial act who's selling off a lot of stuff anyways rant over because we need to get to a lot more topics and we don't have much time fazel what do you have to say on the j cole no name thing i don't know i mean probably just stuff that echoes a lot of what you guys have been saying um you know I think No Name definitely has the bigger point in this case, like from a broad perspective. Um, yeah, obviously J. Cole should be a little more knowledgeable. Uh, I don't think it's something, though, that you should really like, like, yeah, sure, hold him accountable, tell him, yo, you got to like actually read up on this shit. But it's not something that you got to be like, hey, J. Cole, you are like the dumbest motherfucker alive. Please shut the fuck up forever until yeah. you like read everything um it's like oh he admitted he doesn't read he lost he lost it's like (laughs) i hate to break it to you 95 to 99 percent of the people on earth don't fucking read okay most of the people in our generation don't read shit okay i guarantee you maybe half of them are illiterate (laughs) so like you have to find a way to break the fucking barrier right we're going to need a lot of imperfect allies if anything's going to change. Yeah, I mean, if, if the bar is so high and everything under that bar is, like, performative, then we're never going to truly advance because we're just debating each other about who's performative and who's real and, and all this stuff. And it's like, there needs to be that discussion to be had. But, I mean, in some sense, like, perfection is the enemy of progress. Like, yeah, ideally yeah. everybody would be educated about the issues in a really deep manner and can, like, but, you know, eloquently talk about it. But... That's not the reality, and we don't we can't we don't have time. We can't afford that. Exactly. So it's like, what can we get now that can move us forward yeah. in the short term? We have one know? lifetime. Like we can only think about our lifetimes. And exactly. while yeah. saying that, I I will freely admit, okay, I will freely admit that J. Cole is not as socially conscious as he pretends to be. Okay? I will freely admit that. I will also freely admit mm-hmm. that Fossil's right. In terms of, like, the objective reality of political activism, no name is right, okay? We all need to take these things into practice, and, like, it's going to take that in order for us to make real lasting change. Because it's not enough to come to the bargaining table and compromise on something. We need to force the hand of 
our government and of generally like our culture and society. The only way that we're going to do that is by educating people. But even though I agree with the politics of it, I think all of us here agree with the politics of no, that no name is coming with. Yeah. I don't agree with the way that the people who were kind of arguing that point for her on Twitter. And I guess Fazel, this goes back to the last episode with uh, the RTJ uh, woke folk be playing yeah. Twitter activists. Uh, right, right, right. All their revolution is de- televised and digitized, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. If we're going to use tools like that, we can't allow it to alienate us from potential allies. I think that's the most important thing. And I'll leave it there. Right. It's it's tough. Like, you know, on one hand, if you see somebody spewing ignorant shit, like you want to probably do have that gut feeling that's like, yo, I need to get this motherfucker to shut up. And, you know, it almost even if they're like basically aligned with you, you know, you kind of feel that. I guess this kind of harkens back to the stuff people, you know, you'll, you'll hear like liberals complaining about purity tests or whatever. It's not I don't think it's close, but it's not the exact same, I think. But obviously well, have some standards I mean, have I'll, some standards yeah. but don't like it's tough like obviously but just like the barrier of entry can't be like yeah you can't be a total you know, extremely gay high yeah. because yeah. then because then in a way you're just sort of propagating the problem in the first place like people can't get in because they're not like educated right. enough or not well, you know when liberals like, are yeah, talking... yeah. go ahead go ahead no, no no i'm just saying like i mean i think the idea is that like you you sort of get them in now and point them to the resources they need to get to become more educated on the issues um but if that's the barrier of entry then it's going to be hard to really get people yeah get the on the movement yeah the liberal thing about purity testing is a really good point fossil and uh, i'll i guess i'll dive into the politics of it for a little bit when liberals talk about purity testing it's mostly because they don't have any material analysis like they it literally is all about like the way that like decorum makes them feel and like the the respect and fetishization of the process and like you know mitigative mitigating the harm that republicans are doing everything is relative in that world right Mm -hmm. so by lacking a clear material analysis of what are the actual impacts on people that these policies are going to have and how do we accurately judge them that should be gatekeeping we should be gatekeeping on material good because that is objective fact like globalization and the iterative nature of the new supply chain has yes a lot of people have jobs but those people are getting paid fucking two dollars an hour across the world they're being exploited right and because of that their whole economies are now built on exploiting that workforce for american companies to then create a product later on down the supply chain there are so many examples of of, of this like uh future financialization climate right and all these things have tangible impacts that we can measure on human life and that should be prioritized but we shouldn't be purely going about things based on the fact that what someone said doesn't match up with what an educated person would say, right? If the person is Pete Buttigieg and they're educated and they're just being a fucking liar and a rat weasel, then yeah, fucking gatekeep. Flame that fuck because he's a piece of shit. But if it's J. Cole, J. Cole fucking means well. And you can just tell because J. Cole isn't like he's not running a fucking factory. Okay, he didn't work at McKinsey and Company. Okay. He, he wasn't working on fixing the prices of bread at a Canadian grocery store. 
Okay, that that just isn't what J. Cole does. Anyways, let's move away from J. Cole because it's honestly not worth talking about for that long. Um, yeah. The Kanye president bullshit. Honestly, somebody should somebody should abort somebody should abort Kanye right now. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm sorry yeah, to have to say that. I'm sorry. It's sad. <laughs> I mean, now all I can remember of him is like this whole president whatever thing that he's on. Like it's just not it's not pleasant to have to view. I'm sure it's not pleasant to like for the people around him to have to deal with that either. So it's just like like why, you know? Totally. I mean, we're old enough to remember Kanye when he was a rapper and a cultural icon. And now he's just like a fallen angel that's like continuing the spiral, you know, into the ravine of darkness. <laughs> and there seems to be no end, no, no end to it, which is pretty sad. I mean, you don't want to see anybody go through that, but yeah. Ironically, the man did say, I made you... Uh, I made Jesus walk, so I'm never going to hell. <laughs> in ultra yeah. light beam. And now he's like literally in the darkest place of his entire career. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah. I mean, he took an entire gospel turn, and now he's like in the worst position mentally of his <laughs> entire life. So I, I, I'm not trying to make a larger point about religion, but I think you can infer <laughs> the message. Moral of the story, we should all convert to Satanism. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, I did not say that. Jay's views are not reflected by the podcast. Okay? This is unfiltered Tiger Smoke. We're, we're, we're not that unfiltered, okay? We're not, we don't have, like, we don't have, like, parasitic, like, okay? <laughs> there are no tapeworms in our water, please. So an atheist, a Satanist, and Muslim all walk into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't a Hindu, I'd be a Satanist. <laughs> so yeah, Fazo, what's your take on Kanye? I mean, the presidential stuff is all one piece of shit. That's like, that's been going on since at least 2016. And I am so burned out on that. And especially like, you know, this recent shit has been all looking like a marketing gimmick for whatever his next album is going to be. I don't really care so much about, you know, this whole faux presidential campaign so much. I don't think it's going to have that huge of an impact, especially with lately how much he's been uh, self-destructing. The thing that gives more pause to me is, well, the self-destruction that he's been going through, like not just in those little rallies that have been caught on tape where he said shit like, you know, um, he was crying about how North almost got aborted because he almost got aborted, you know, stuff like shit like that. That's definitely some fucked up stuff that, you know, his kids are going to have to hear later in their lives. There's stuff like that. And then stuff like um, Harriet Tubman, like he Dis, not discredited, but like downplayed a lot of the good that she did, and was like, "Yeah, well, you, you she didn't really do... She didn't free the slaves. Yeah, she sold yeah, them to she... other slave owners, which like yeah, up in the north, dude. What the fuck? It's like, what are you? What are you working towards? It's like at this right. point, it feels like he's just like swallowed the propaganda pill, and is now like interpreting his entire <laughs> life through that." And the, I guess the worst part is, like, yeah, this is clearly, like, a Yandi promotional scheme, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the campaign rally, like, usually any any semi-professional campaign rally will have a center. Like, there will be a stage over here, like, if you're looking at a side view. There's a stage here, and then 
be, there's a crowd and then behind the crowd there's like a little raised area for the cameras and the media to sit so that they don't mm-hmm. have like they don't have like the crowd's heads and like the silhouettes in the middle of them and the and the subject of the, that it, that didn't exist this was yeah. like very yeah. much it felt like a gorilla stunt which obviously Kanye running for president isn't a serious thing i get like the i get why most people are like oh this is just promotion for his album but at the same time, you bring up a good point that in 2016, when he was like at what the MTV Music Awards, whatever the fuck, he did that whole like Taylor Swift uh, reconciliation thing, and then he just went off the fucking rails, dude. That speech was fucking insane. Like I recently went through the entire thing again, and he clearly like he's clearly like in a manic episode because he's just switching from thought to thought there's like no filter in anything that he's saying and not in a good way it's not that like you should filter out your thoughts it's that you should think some of your thoughts through a little bit more to like synthesize them into something that's palatable for consumption um and if you're not able to do that yourself because of whatever mental uh deficiency or mental illness that you have that's fine you have to have people around you that can help you do that in a constructive way and the criticism of Kanye, even before it came out that he was bipolar, was that he has yes men around him. And they'll just okay anything that he does. And you look at Kim Kardashian. I mean, he just came out and said Meek told him that she was trying to sleep with him during one of those prison reform meetings. And it's like, mm-hmm. are you surprised? Like, are any of us actually surprised if that's true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, man. Uh, fucking not. Like, no part of me is fucking surprised at this shit. I'm sorry. It's once you decide to live a certain life that you fetishized, and you then start to surround yourself with people who are equally as successful, it's ultimately all based on exploitation. Kim is exploiting him for his fame. He's exploiting Kim for her fame. And also the fact that he's also exploiting like the reality TV show and all that stuff as like promotional tools, TMZ and all that stuff. There's so much that we could talk about about Kanye. It's just a nightmare. (laughs) He's in the worst position that somebody with a serious mental health issue could be in. Yeah. Quite honestly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And all this, um, all this shit about him having yes men, like that kind of, proliferates down to his even his fans too you know i think this this pisses me off more than kanye himself or whatever stunts he gets up to it's his fans like yeah okay sure it is irresponsible for some random person even if they're like a doctor or something just some random person who doesn't have any idea of what kanye's real situation is who haven't hasn't evaluated them to make a claim like oh he's bipolar or whatever you know stuff like that until like somebody like kim uh comes out and says that and reveals that once you have that sort of information yeah then you can make a little more discussion about well, that but he, he, he sure. came out and said he was bipolar before yay before okay the yay album the, okay, the well, cover of the yay album says i hate being bipolar it's awesome oh shit okay so uh yeah you know stuff like that like yeah all this whole uh health speculation business when when you don't know that stuff for sure it is a little irresponsible even if you have some sort of knowledge that gives you a bit of a better educated guess on stuff i agree yeah i agree with that but on the other end of the spectrum where this is just stuff i see on twitter that like poisons my brain (laughs) where it's like i see people saying shit straight up like 
yeah, you know, um, it's good that he's off his meds. He's freeing his mind and he's speaking the truth. He's not crazy. He's just, now he's enlightening himself. And I'm like, yo, really? Who the fuck are you? Have you not, like, read his shit. Read his fucking tweets. That is not... <laughs> Nowhere not, in yeah. history would that be the would those be the words of somebody who's like in control? If that came yeah. from you or me, and you somebody one of those enabling yes men fans was like reading that or hearing that, they'd be like, "Yo, get some fucking yeah, help," because obviously, yeah. you know, yeah, it's just like because Kanye is such a big personality who has had some like funny moments and will occasionally speak some truth in his music. Well, more so early on, where he spoke a lot of truth that kind of gives him this unlimited free pass for the rest of his life to do whatever, especially because he also has this reputation of being a genius, which in several aspects I mean, that's is. largely, yeah, yeah, but as that's a, largely like producer, something that he's said for himself. As a producer, he's oh, yeah, no amazing, doubt. okay? No so I understand why people call him that. He's not a lyricist. He His best mm-hmm. verses aren't even his. Like, he didn't write them. Like, if you've ever heard yeah. him freestyle, he's shit. I'm sorry, Okay. Um, he's more of a personality than anything. Um, and I, what Fossil said is really interesting because the way that the fans treat him, I understand why he says, I made Jesus walk, so I'm never going to hell. Because he feels like there's nothing that he can do that could make him a bad person at this point. So I feel like Kanye, especially, he's first off, he's not on his meds, right? Like, can't we agree that that's irresponsible? Like, if you're a bipolar manic depressive, you need to be on your fucking meds or you need to yeah. not be in the public eye. Because just like Fazl was saying, there are a lot of impressionable idiots. I'm sorry for calling you idiots, but if you're like, if you're caping for Kanye to this day, like the crazy shit he's doing, fine. Cape for the music. I don't give a fuck. You can love everything that he's ever put out. That's fine. Okay, that's one thing. You can love Jesus is King as if it's like the next coming of Christ itself. Okay, I don't care. Caping for Kanye the man even though he's super uneducated, doesn't think about a word that comes out of his mouth, and has a huge fan base, and not seeing how it's irresponsible, and, like, somehow trying to, like, explain away his delusions, is... Yeah, I mean, this isn't, like, some acceptable form of, like, uh, self-expression. Like, I mean, and the people who pretend that it is are just delusional, or, like, super fans who, like, refuse to accept, like, what's going on here. But, I mean... I feel like if you were a fan, like you, you wouldn't want to see your favorite person like end up like this. Like this is right, not, right. this is not something enjoyable like for a fan. I'm not a, like yeah, I, I like Kanye. I'm not like a super fan or anything, but like I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough to see it like this. So I mean, if you're a fan, I don't see why you would want to do the mental gymnastics to try and like justify this because it, it's not. And I feel like you would rather want to see him do better and like you know get on a better path, but it just seems to be going out of control and nobody there to stop him basically i think it's safe to agree politically none of us agree with him but i think what mm-hmm. all of us can agree on is that this has been a long time coming that things got to this point and i just hope that he gets help man like nobody it's clear that fame is a trap and that you know you gotta have people that got your back behind you and this is a really cautionary tale for that I mean, the fall. This fall from grace is hard to take. J Cole has a song about that, by the way. False prophets. False prophets. It's yeah, it's a Joey that. badass beat. It's really good. I would listen to it. Yeah, it's a good song. So going from Kanye and all the fakeness around him, let's go to a fakeness in another celebrity relationship. <laughs> 
Let's talk about entanglements, baby. Let's do it. Hell yeah. All right. Jada Pinkett and Will Smith recently had to go into damage control mode, man. August (laughs) Alcina. Who would have thought that August Alcina would have come back and like almost taken down like the second most famous like wholesome black family other than and, and speaking and speaking of which so just just to bring just to bring everything full circle j cole has a line about this man j cole's talked about everything shit shout out to j cole <laughs> shout out to jermaine jermaine <laughs> call out his government name <laughs> <laughs> hey that right that's that's a, that's like that's like a logic bar right there <laughs> logic should just wrap ones and zeros from now on to stay true to his name of logic <laughs> logic i wrap in binary and you know you can't and stop it and... <laughs> oh, God. okay so have you all seen the red table talk i saw like clips from it i didn't watch the whole thing though so I'll summarize it yeah. for you a little bit. So Jada and Will apparently were like in this position where like their marriage was kind of on the ropes. And I think all relationships at that point like get to a point where like sometimes you need space from the other person. Like it's not mm-hmm. healthy for you to like be in this like codependent relationship with your partner uh, for 30 years of your life. And sometimes you get sick of a person. You don't want to end up hating them permanently. So you need space. And August Alcina was Jaden Smith's friend. And got brought into their house when he was, like, at a really low point. I'm assuming, like, drug addiction or, like, some sort of mental health issue. Like, depression. Something that a clinician should have helped him with. Keep in mind, his son's age. Okay? Like, August yeah, is that's the crazy. age of his, like, of Will's oldest son. Slightly older than Jaden. Gets brought into this house. And the way Jada talks about it is, like, Oh, I wanted to fix him. And then we got into this entanglement. So you wanted to help him through some issues. And then you fucked him? I'm sorry. (laughs) I've gone to a therapist. No part of me ever felt like fucking my therapist. My therapist (laughs) never thought about sleeping with me. (laughs) That's some weird shit, man. It's like, I hate... I'm trying to save face. I know this sounds sexist because men do this... Like, male celebrities do this all the time. Right? But if Will Smith had been doing this with one of willow's friends i would be saying the same shit it's predatory okay to do this to like your son's friend at a time where he's like and we just came from kanye right so like mental illness is like a serious thing you can't abusing somebody who has a mental illness is like one of the worst things that you can do Mm -hmm. i feel like the fact that like people are like oh the worst part of this is that jada cheated no the worst part of this has nothing to do with Jada and with Jada and Will's relationship. It has to do with J- what Jada did to August Alcina as a person. Like that's fucked up. Because right. not only and... did she sleep with him, but then she fucking left him. Right? I'm sure at some yeah. point August thought like, "Oh, this is going to be a thing." He probably had a crush on Jada ever since he was like a kid, and this was probably like a fantasy of his coming to come into life, and then he realized oh shit i actually might have feelings for this person and she was like nah honey i'm married to will smith my life is solidified i'm a retire a multimillionaire and that's what's important to jada 
Right. I mean, it's all in the whole um, in how the situation broke, you know, how August was like, yeah, I gave, you know, so much time of my life fully committed to her. It was a full loving relationship. And then next moment she turns around and says, oh, it was an entanglement. And that's like that sort of disconnect in how they interpret those events is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a cop out basically. And considering that she's the person who has the most responsibility in this case, purely because she's the older party and based on the way that she says it, she was trying to like help him out, you know? If you're taking like almost the guiding role, if you're being a a guidance counselor, okay? You mm-hmm. should take more responsibility for your actions than like referring to a sexual relationship of you stringing along a much younger man who is a friend of your of your son who has some who's in a very dark place. Calling it an entanglement is like straight up, oh, I don't want to admit any culpability. It's just fucked. Right, right. Like this this to me shows me how fucked fame can get you. To where it makes you think you can get away with anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. to where People's reality is just like a game to you, yeah. basically. Yeah. I tweeted something today. It's like, I know so many people who just like don't give a shit about their life, right? And it's like, it's sad, but I feel like a lot of people in our generation feel this way. I feel like how interconnected everything's gotten has almost made it easier for people to like detach from what is actually going on in their day to day. And because of mm-hmm. that, they don't really think about or care about their friends' lives or like the people around them's lives or their experiences. Yeah, yeah. And I feel it's like, really easy to just get caught up in yeah. whatever you're doing. I feel like fame also detaches you from that, man. So like, yeah, definitely. Right. The, the one thing that I never want to lose in my life is like my attachment to my emotional well-being, to my family, to the people that I love. Because as soon as you lose that, what is keeping what do you have? human? Exactly. Yeah. Are, you, are you even a human anymore? Or are you just yeah, yeah, like yeah. this cold shell that's working to like better your own condition and nobody else's because if it is that's not a life worth living in my opinion if that's a life that you are living then i completely understand why you don't give a shit about your life because i (laughs) i wouldn't give a shit about that life you know right i think you said something grohan that yeah that really uh kind of ties in with a lot of stuff how you know now that we have social media and stuff it's a lot easier to technically keep in touch with people because like before social media if you didn't see somebody for a couple of days or for any extended amount of time then you know you'd at least have to go through the effort of putting in a phone call or something to catch up and be like hey have you been you know or even going out to eat somewhere now with social media you can just like you know check twitter or instagram or facebook and see oh yeah joe just went to um oh yeah joe just got into grad school or whatever hey good for him and you know you can kind of like keep tabs on somebody that way but you don't have to put in any real effort and uh, that's kind of like especially now at this point in our lives personally in our early mid-20s where a lot of this is just based around gaining your own independence and gaining like your own level of power and seating in your own life and being able to like impact things and you know work your way up and uh it it is i think a naturally selfish period of your life this period of our lives yeah and um that mixed in with the whole i guess optionality of true connection that social media enables it can if you if you're not careful it will lead to the sort of kind of emulation 
of how we see how messed up relationships get with famous people. Like, definitely not the exact same on any real level, but it's a lot easier for me to see the parallels now than I feel like it would have been, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I think. Yeah, that's pretty well said. I mean, yeah, the line be- between reality and like non-reality is pretty blurred. Um, and it's really easy to sort of fall into the trap of believing something that's not real is actually real. And like you said, this is a pretty selfish time of our lives. And I mean, it's not a bad thing per se. It just is what it is. But it's like you can mitigate that, um, but it's very easy for it to get exacerbated by just getting sucked into the vortex of social media and celebrity and all this stuff that i mean at the end of the day isn't all real and that consequential forget about the grand scheme of the world like even to your day-to-day life like yeah sure i follow i don't i follow celebrities a little bit not as much as other people but it's like at the end of the day yeah you know someone does something but it's like cool who cares like i'm still me i still live my life like that doesn't change anything and it's like okay so if i realize that and and can detach from it then it's like fine i can enjoy whatever entertainment that provides me but there are a lot of people who can't and it's not even celebrities it's like people in their in their lives trying to project some image that they may not be experiencing but because of the line that social media blurs and the convenience of not actually maintaining those those real relationships you never would know what that person is going through but you would believe that they're they're living a great life or whatever and you feel like you have to live up to that standard it's hard to take a step back and realize that no that's not the case unless you have people around you that can guide you in that direction because i mean like i certainly oftentimes feel like oh why am i not doing this or i mean i have in the past but over time i've sort of realized like okay you know i don't have to compare myself against other people so much like it can just be i can just move at my own pace as long as like i'm I'm happy and like, you know, I have my relationships with my family and friends and stuff. I don't Definitely. know, long ramble, but yeah. <laughs> no, I feel that, man. I mean, this is especially like thoughts like um, what detachment from reality does and like what detachment from the consequences of your actions does to a person kind of made me way more religious, like in my life, like especially after high school, because especially with Hinduism, what I realized is like a lot of what is in the Vedas is a personal manuscript of how to deal with your exactly. inner process. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. feel like that is very, very important. I feel like a lot of religions in the West try to do that. Like they try to teach you how to live a good life in this very dogmatic way. But the thing that I definitely did learn to love about being Hindu, and I mean, Fazl, I guess if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it in terms of Islam. Because I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of very beautiful aspects of Islam as well in terms of this. But yeah. the relationship with the self and the process of self-actualization that Buddhism mm-hmm. kind of popularized is actually a Hindu tenet. It all comes from Hindu philosophy. So at the end of the day, it's all a process of becoming better at dealing with yeah. yourself and, and being I think a better the thing I like along the way. The thing I like about it is like, it teaches you to sort of live with the consequences of your action. Like it's like, it's like in Silicon Valley when Guilfoyle <laughs> says like, there is no good or evil. There's only self. And it's like, it's like, you know, it, you could brush it off like at first because he's like a Satanist. And, no, it's but like when deep. you think about it, yeah, yeah when you think deep. about it, it's like, yeah, wow. Like, I mean, there really is no good or bad. 
uh, I mean, in our world, our world is different, but, um, you know, when you think about it, certain things that, that we assign meaning to don't really have meaning to it. And so we well, often forget that because we live in this material world that assigns value to different things. I mean, it's a really tough conversation to broach. I don't think he's saying there aren't good or bad things. I think he's saying yeah, no. people oh, are no, I, good I or bad. Or it bad. is they're only yeah. themselves, right? Like exactly. And yeah. I agree with that. I don't. I don't say Elon Musk is a bad person. I say Elon Musk is an idiot who isn't as smart as people paint him out to be. Okay, yeah, it's I'm... like that's a better way of saying what people think I'm saying, which is that he's a bad person. I don't give a shit whether he's a good or a bad person. That's all subjective. <laughs> Yeah. If I was behaving like Elon Musk, I would be like very disappointed in myself. Let's put it that way. If you want me to make a moralistic argument, there, there's that. But that doesn't. That's not the point. The point is, what is the value of yourself? What are the consequences of being yourself? And like Jay was saying, you know, it's a very deep thing to think about. But it goes deeper than just like the morality that is prescribed to a situation. And it, it fundamentally yeah. doesn't detach actions and consequences of actions from the self i feel like that's the important part yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the takeaway from it fossil's having an existential <laughs> crisis right now <laughs> i can see his entire He's thinking about becoming hair. a satanist <laughs> his entire saying, life is flashing in his eyes <laughs> i was just wondering how do we get from a uh, jada pinkhead smith taking advantage of august salsina to a uh, satanism and the beauty of religion and <laughs> self-determination hey don't question it bro that's just the way the breaks go Okay. That's just the unfiltered nature of this tiger sweat. Yep. It, that's just <laughs> that's just the way the sweat drips. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like there was much more that we could say about Jada and Will. Like yeah, no, yeah no. I think that's about it. At the end of the day, it's all about how fame and like how fame being a conflation of the ego makes you know these relationships toxic. Um, and I think that's kind of how I personally got to the idea of like Hinduism and religion and like the philosophy of it. And I think in terms of like the peace, love and positivity gimmick, it's probably best. It's probably best to like <laughs> end the entire podcast on a good note rather than yeah. like <laughs> being everything is shit. Fuck logic. <laughs> fuck J. Cole. <laughs> fuck Friday. <laughs> fuck Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I was born a Muslim, will die Muslim. I've never had any real sort of uh, true break from religion in that I've ever become totally disillusioned from the religion that was placed upon me. I don't really find any objection to that. And even, even though it's placed upon me, I don't find an objection to that. I've never found a real objection to the concept of god or higher power in particular i'd like to say i understand that life is a complex thing a really fucking complex thing and that religion can sometimes be uh used <clears throat> as a tool by power seeking parties who wish to really consolidate power influence clout for themselves rather than actually push any sort of religious viewpoint you know, I can, I can see that and I can see why somebody would get disillusioned by that. And certainly in terms of like group religion, 
I, I do have some criticisms to that, but on an individual level, in terms of like myself, my own life, the people around me in my own community, um, there, there are definitely like messed up things that happen in the name of religion still that I see on a daily basis that, you know, bad justifications being made, but like, it's easy to focus on those bad things, but there's a lot of good that goes into it as well. I think even if you want to make an argument, like, you know, one of those new atheist types, like, Hey, there's no real scientific, scientific backing for any of this shit. Like, at least on a moral prescriptive level, a lot of these religions, a lot of these religious texts, they aren't, I don't think they're inherently bad. I don't think they're bad at all. I think obviously it depends on the sort of interpretation you give to it, but there's a lot of positive interpretations to be made of any religion. I think that's true of Christianity. I think that's true of Judaism, definitely Hinduism, Buddhism, and for sure Islam as well, and Satanism, (laughs) which that's funny because like a lot of the stuff I've read about Satanism over the years is more like it is kind of, trying to push the point of how religion can be um the the true point of religion the true moral aspect of religion how you know if there's anybody you should pray for shouldn't it be the devil who's the ultimate sinner the ultimate condemned person yeah, himself the left hand path basically <laughs> right based off my upbringing as a muslim there's a lot of bad stuff you can point to very easily but there's good in islam and that if you're not a Muslim, you probably don't know very many Muslims. And if you're like in America, because uh, last I heard in America, maybe like 1% of Americans are Muslim, which is... That's crazy. Know, yeah, yeah. You'd figure with the media talking about them in any sort of level, or whether it be good or bad, you'd figure it'd be a lot more. And to be sure, there are more Muslims coming into America and more Muslims like, you know, the Well, there overall are just more Muslims in rising. the world, right? Yeah, and it's such a big religion, yeah. like especially in the East and whatnot. But odds are you probably don't have a great grasp of Islam. Like not even a lot of Muslims I know have a great grasp on Islam. Like you got to talk to an imam about all that. And it's the same of any religion, I feel, because like getting to those religious texts, like you got to, um, it, it doesn't, it's not just a surface level reading. You got to do some actual scholarship and find out the real intent of the words, especially given to the time period it was from, and especially with uh, the Quran, because it's written in Arabic, where there is no, a lot of times there is no real true one-to-one translation. Like you, there's something that you are, there are a lot of things that you're going to miss if you don't have an actual understanding of Arabic, like most Muslims don't. I think that religion is, is a good thing. And I don't think that society would suffer from, more of it just we got to temper our understanding of it and its place in society you know it can't be the prescriptive be-all end-all of our decisions but i wouldn't condemn somebody for uh, at least having it inform their values and beliefs because it gives you some sort of backing that you can use to uh make some justification for something in a good way very wholesome way to put it. I, I was having a conversation online with the, with somebody about the history of religion, and they were talking more about how religion is becoming more and more secular, and how that ends yeah. up in religion being more and more tolerant and less connected to dogma. And right. what I brought up was like, well, there's a lot of like the history of religion that's tied in with the history of empire, right? And the history of empire is built on like oppressing people, and like war and bloodshed, and like, mm-hmm. you know, tons of horrible things. And so like, 
just like we can't disconnect like those things from humanity we can't disconnect them from the organization of religion right because religion can be used to do those things just like the state can be used to do those things right they're all institutions of power and they're all ways of organization and any organization can be corrupted however the important thing is that they offer a path for self-betterment i think as human beings that's the only thing that you can ask of people is that they want to better themselves and if a person doesn't want to better themselves then that's a serious problem like i rethink whether i really want to like put time into getting to know this person or like how close i want to be to this person because if you're not really looking at yourself if you're not trying to study your own actions and the consequences of your actions and try to improve every single step of the way then what is your core tenet like what what are you here for like are you just here to make money like i know tons of people who are like this man and it really saddens me it's not to judge them i don't like i still think their life has value it's just what saddens me is that their life doesn't have value to them you know and yeah it's a good point mm-hmm. the other thing that i'd like to touch on really quickly that you were talking about in terms of what people know about islam um it's crazy how much of like islamic history is kind of like washed away and i think part of it is like also because of like changes in the state in arabic countries way back Mm -hmm. um and like changes in like the religious leadership but a big part of it is also propaganda just like you were talking about it's crazy that muslims are only like one percent of the american population they're like talked about incessantly Ever since 9-11, they've been talked about, like, fucking constantly. And it's almost always fucking fear-mongering and negative, right? And it's never an actual... It's never an actual conversation about the religion. And you would never see that done about something like Christianity, which genuinely does annoy me. Because Islam has been it's been a catalyst for so much like scientific advancement throughout even the early history of mankind and in terms of philosophy there is a lot of like art and cultural value that comes across only through islam and only through the negative history of let's say islam in india do you get something as beautiful as like the sikh religion right so there is there's light in all of that darkness i feel like and at the end of the day, as long as you have some connection to God and through God have a connection with yourself and your inner self, I think that's all you can ask for in life. For sure. Like a couple of years ago at UTD, I went to this talk. There's this imam that, who's pretty big in North Texas who like, he came to UTD every so often a couple years back to give talks like about once a month i think and he's a very nice guy and he's like pretty socially liberal and uh you know that made it interesting to me for real uh and he's more socially liberal than your average mom i'd say for sure but he's like definitely not like not like us um but anyway he came through and you know i attended quite a few of his talks that year and gave me definitely a lot better understanding of the religion and how like how it plays into society how especially modern society and how how we can 
well, obviously, since most of the people there were Muslims, how we can all like be better Muslims and how to how we can operate while still keeping uh, in touch with the core tenets of our faith. And I think out of everything he said, a lot of it stuck with me. But the thing that stuck with me the most was he said the definition of Islam is submission to Allah. How do you submit to Allah is to be a good Muslim and to be a good Muslim, first and foremost, you have to be a good person. And beyond that, if you're a good person, everything else eventually will fall into line. And that that really gave me a lot of security, you know, just just that bit of knowledge coming from him. If I ever had any doubts before then, if I ever had any doubts after that, like it's all been knowing that in my heart, like that kind of that kind of like keeps me uh, like keeps me steady. Yeah, man. That's a. Uh, it's crazy to think about, especially because I feel like everybody kind of goes through a point where, like, they kind of just stop thinking about God in terms of like. Well, I don't think anybody thinks of God in the way of like it being a tangible thing. It's more of like a reference towards things that we can't really describe about ourselves and humanity. I think there's a poem by Gilbert K. Chesterton, which is like, and walk in strange democracy, the million masks of God. And the reference is that in each one of us is God. Mm -hmm. I know that that's like a cliched thing to say, but like the true like meaning of that is like your relationship with your God isn't like your relationship, the way that you're kind of like maybe explained to you as a kid, like to some like ethereal omniscient being. It's more that you are getting to understand your own nature and the nature that has been given to you by whatever the impetus was for life in the first place. It's kind of a stand-in right. for things that we don't understand and that we don't really need to understand. And that, I think, is like kind of the great uniter, which is why I think the, word, the world becoming more tolerant and secular is a vastly good thing. Um, it's also why I would never call myself an atheist because mm. honestly, like I've just met so many atheists who are like, they claim to hate the dogma of like religion, but then they like have a dogma of this is what science says about <laughs> this. And it's like, yes, I understand that evolution is real and creationism is bullshit. It's a really low bar to have in your conversation <laughs> about religion, right? It's like, I feel like because especially American atheism has been so compatible yeah. with Christian fundamentalism and Christian conservatism that like it's almost become full of people who were once Christian conservative fundamentalists who mm -hmm. are now like or like who were surrounded by those people and so they only intellectually deal with things on that level uh, I guess they don't have a worldly view of these things which is why these conversations I think really matter uh, because the more people hear them, I think the more perspectives that they get. And who knows? It, maybe it'll change somebody's mind. Maybe it'll open their perspective. It may not be immediate, you know? It may be something that, like, this is just, like, one seed and, like, a whole trail of things that lead somebody down a different path that hopefully leads them to a better place. But all right, all right. on a meta level, this closing of the podcast has been all about being a kind of good example and uh, keeping it a little humble.
because I know at times like we can talk about things like when we were talking about logic, we can talk about things in very detached ways. Mm. You know, oh, this this is trash. I hated this. I hated that. <laughs> this is a gimmick. This that's a gimmick. But uh, at the end of the day, we're all human beings, and we wish for the best for each other. I wish no harm upon anyone, and I only wish for people to enjoy their lives and become closer to themselves. Yeah, well stated. But fuck that peace, love, and positivity shit. Sometimes you gotta <laughs> go to war, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes people just straight up disrespect you. For example, if Logic sees this podcast, I expect him to diss me, okay? I expect it. <laughs> Okay? And don't worry, Logic. I have a dozen diss tracks already written and edited. I'll just produce a beat and drop that shit after you come back from retirement and diss me. Because by that time, I probably I probably will have made like a little bit of a name for myself. Or I will have retired myself. Who fucking knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make like a banana and split. <laughs> <laughs> so corny dude it's almost like a logic bar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, i don't even feel bad for will smith though god i'm all over I the mean, place him no not so much because he said they were separated at the time they said they were separated like that's yeah. not yeah Jaden and i guess will too because she must be feeling pretty fucked up about that in august those three yeah that's terrible Will is like a neutral towards and Jada like pretty negative. Yeah. No, that's some fuck shit. No tolerance for that. Mm-hmm. Like if if that was like a forty year old man and like a twenty early twenties girl, the it would be a completely different conversation, you know? Right. And, like, and I'm, I hate that it almost isn't a conversation because it happens like hundreds of times all over the fucking place everywhere oh, yeah. turn <laughs> well the conversation is just starting to come out to come around about like grooming and stuff like that which is yeah, good uh, like yeah, we yeah, need yeah. to have that conversation but at the yeah. same time like there's always this double standard right like when you see a story of like a teacher abusing their power and like having sex mm. with a minor or like one of their students and it's like a man and like a a school-age girl it's always like this piece of shit i would kill him and then it's like right, a female right. and like a young boy and it's like hey <laughs> and like in reality it's both like really fucking traumatic like as soon as you get a chance to put that stuff in perspective yeah yeah you know there's like a lot of baggage that comes with that so like none of it's okay we should put the onus on the people who are more responsible who should be more responsible for their lives by that point definitely Anyways, this has been episode three of Unfiltered Tiger Sweat. I am Rohan. This is... Fazl. Zalaf. Uh-huh. <laughs> or Lazaf, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This <Lazaf>. is Lazaf. <laughs> you just missed Jay, or Yaj, Jay, <laughs> who had to go because we had a couple of technical difficulties that extended everything. Um, thank you very much for watching. We should be back sometime in August. We're trying to make this a monthly thing at the very least. Maybe we'll do a couple bonus episodes. No pressure. Logic album. Pretty decent. Cole singles. Okay. Jada did some fuck shit. And uh, Kanye is on his bullshit again. It's pretty much the episode, isn't it? Yeah. If it wasn't during COVID times, I'd almost be like business as usual. But with all this happening, it's like, well, business as usual, but also 
damn, this is fucked up. <laughs> I, I just can't believe how quickly things are happening. It's like every week there's like seven major news stories that break. <laughs> right. Basically, the last three weeks or two weeks have been like the entire summer of news for most years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fucking crazy. Like, I don't even want to think about that. Like, also, this year is going by so quickly. Like, we're basically two-thirds the way through. Like, that doesn't make uh-huh. sense. It just doesn't. 